to 1 Timothy. Chapter 3, looking and starting at verse 14. Let us hear the very words of the Lord. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning would you draw near to our hearts as we hear your word this morning. We recognize and acknowledge that you are here among us. Lord, you are, you are with us. We ask for your Spirit to speak to us and minister to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. You can be seated. Well, good morning. My name is Eric Maddy. I've been asked by the elders to come and bring the word this morning. Um, as I considered this date, I had, it took me a while to, to lock it in as I realized it was the week before Christmas. Um, as I remember, uh, as a pastor uh, in a small little country church, Years ago, my favorite time to preach was Christmas time, so I was kind of going back and forth about that. And, and um, by God's providence, a few weeks back, I was looking for something in my office, and, and, and I had run across, for the first time in 20 years, all the Christmas messages I did then and all the bulletins, because it's about churches, you make the bulletin as a senior pastor or as a solo pastor. And um, I was rather excited because... Uh, most and all of my ministry notes were destroyed when my external hard drive dropped and froze everything. So all that writing, all the ministry up to that point back then was gone. But then to see a few sermons and, and, and things like that, I got a little giddy. <laughs> I got a little excited. Um, because on the back of two of them, I put some, I had some poetic attempts to minister to, to people that were in our church. And, uh, I'm not going to win any awards with these poems. I'm not going to share them here today. Uh, but, it, but it did, um, like I said, it got me excited. I went downstairs. I shared it with Melanie and Allison. And one liked one, one liked the other. So I thought, okay, I'm 50-50. All these years later, <laughs> it, was, it actually still said something. And uh, really, actually, as I read them, one ministered more to me. And where I'm at now, here we are 22 years later. Um, and it began to flicker in me the idea of what I wanted to preach today. So the main word I have comes this morning as a word of encouragement for some and a word of warning for others. Uh, so if you don't get anything else from, the, from here on forward, even I'll just pray that you would ask the Lord to minister to even just the title and, and, and go home and, and have this dwell within your heart. So the title of this message is Don't Waste This Christmas. Now... I'm not here to argue the holiday of Christmas. All of us are here on a spiritual journey. We have a spiritual side of our lives that we desire to connect and worship the living God. 
And for us, this journey takes us to the written word of God, which again points us to the word, the living word, Jesus Christ himself. And I realize that some of us, we fall into the category of Romans 14, 5. You esteem special days as, as exuberant, and they're, they're, they're there, and they're there to be celebrated. And then there's others of us that we esteem all the days the same. Around Christmas, the, it looks like this. It looks like those who carol and sing and embrace and, and, and continue to celebrate, and they're looking forward to this time of year. And on the other side, some of us do our best Ebenezer Scrooge impersonation, and we bah humbug and hate this season. But as Christians, God's word reminds us today that great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness that he was manifested in the flesh. Now remember last week, Pastor Dan defined the word mystery not as something that we don't know and will not know, but rather biblically when the word is used here, it's something that was previously hidden but is now revealed. Paul is reminding Timothy and the believers of Ephesus that their foundation as a church is Christ. That since false teachers will always oppose Christ, they are reminded that the foundation of Christ will never be destroyed. As long as there are opponents to Christ, we best remember our foundation in Christ will forever stand. We should make this our song as well. You'll see within your Bibles there that 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 passage of of Scripture where it says he was manifest in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed in the world, and taken up in glory, that is what they believe is to be the early church hymn that he is quoting there. And this proclamation should evoke in us a response. Speaking of evoking a response, I'm going to warn you, the very next thing I'm going to say is probably going to offend a lot of you here. It doesn't matter if Jesus wasn't actually out of Mary's womb on December 25th. It doesn't matter that some Christmas carols have it wrong or that pagan traditions intermingle on this holiday. We can get caught up in debates in our evangelism And we become fruitless because we don't get to the most important matters at hand. Yes, be ready to answer those questions. Yes, be ready for for, for those things. But be more ready to explain the hope you have and what this celebration means to you. We are called as Christian Christ followers to set the record straight of more important matters. Errors abound. And we have opportunity more than any other time of the year to explain how Jesus, who Jesus is. In fact, the Time Life magazine this week on the newsstand has a picture of Jesus and it says, who do you say I am? Are you ready to actually talk about that part of it? We are to be ready for the more important matters of why Jesus came, why he's vindicated by the Spirit and seen by angel, why his name should be proclaimed among the nations, and why he is to be believed around the world. And what the promise of his coming brings to all of us on this spiritual journey. So if I can orientate us going into this week, it's to not waste this Christmas opportunity Now, whether you are a Grinch that needs your heart to grow three times bigger (laughs) or 
You're a person who watches every Hallmark Christmas movie and you fall in love all over again. Don't waste this Christmas, spiritually speaking. The picture of wasting something has a couple connotations. First of all, we waste something when we are careless with it. Don't be careless with this Christmas. Secondly, we allow things in our life to be wasted by letting them get weak or wither away. Don't be the person who says, I'd care less about Christmas. In the Bible, there are three, there, there is a metaphor for the Christian life. It's been compared to both a walk and a race. And I want to address this morning three ways that we waste Christmas if we're not careful. I want to address three ways we waste this Christmas if we don't stir and strengthen ourselves are the more important things of the season. Look at me at uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. Hebrews 10.24 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Therefore, lift your drooping heads, hands, and strengthen your weak knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Out of Hebrews 12, 12 through 13. So that's the main idea this morning. I want us to be stirred and strengthened this morning as we look into the season. So let's dive into this outline. It's within your bulletin there. It's on the back there, how we waste our Christmas. Number one, we waste our Christmas when? When we distract ourselves with the material of this season. Now, when I use the word material, I'm not talking about materialism. However, I could get on that soapbox for just a moment. I could go there for just a moment. What is materialism? It is a preoccupation or an emphasis on material things rather than an emphasis on the intellectual or spiritual. Christmas marketing of the Western world we live in does not show kids and adults depressed and disappointed when they open their gifts unless they're putting a guilt trip on you to go buy their stuff. Christmas commercials never keep rolling into the afternoon when that toy is broken and the gadget we have isn't connecting with our Wi-Fi and the trouble we have. From as early as October 31st through December 25th, we stress about the price of the season to the point that we get ourselves into debt going into the next year. I mean, will we really have our hearts be so fickle that if we don't get what we have in our list, that our happiness is going to be replaced with anger? If we don't get the Red Rider BB gun, what will rule your heart at that moment? Anger? Disappointment? If so, you need to think about this. Don't be distracted and waste this Christmas. Look at what Jesus says. He gives us this warning. He says, Mark 4.19, The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in, and they choke the word. The word that's in our lives. He choked the word and it proves unfruitful. We know this as Christians. And Christmas time for some of us can be a functional materialism. 
for like many of us, we slide into the rest of the world where the consumer mindset that he with the most toys and the coolest toys wins and they're loved and they're vindicated. But Jesus warns us in Luke 12. He says, take care and be on guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So that's just a few words about materialism. I'm going to just take that and put that right over here. And I want to talk about what I mean when I talk about the actual phrase in my point, the material of the season. When I talk about the material of the season, what I'm talking about is the physical emphasis we put on the celebration. And by default, the sometimes stressful element of running around and getting things ready, cleaning, decorating, inviting, rushing to provide and bless our families and have all those traditions that we want to continue to have year after year. There is a real-life account of a woman who was so distracted by good tasks like this that she lost focus on the reason why she did them. Let's read this account together. Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister named, called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve you, serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. You see, Martha invited Jesus into her home, yet lost sight of why she did that. She invited him in order to have fellowship with Jesus. But she was doing everything else but fellowshipping. Yes, she was serving him. Maybe that was her love language, right? (laughs) But she was missing the point of Jesus being there. Maybe you've heard this book from Joanna Weaver, Have a Merry Heart in a Martha World. She says this, Does it sound harsh to say that cooking and cleaning or taking care of your children or doing your job might be sinful? But think about it. The very definition of sin is separation from God. So no matter how important the activity is, no matter how good it seems, if I use it as an excuse to hold God at arm's length, it is sin. We waste this Christmas when we are so distracted by the material of the season rather than focusing on the meaning of the season. I don't know about you, but I feel like this Christmas season really came really fast. Anybody feel that way? It's like, where where did this come from? And, you know, I wanted to shout out to the worship team, Pastor Ryan, John, the rest of the group. You guys have really prepared our hearts and been faithful every week to to give us Advent thoughts and, and the songs to get our hearts where we need to go in these coming weeks. So it's not like we haven't come in this morning to say, okay, we're, you know, I need to orientate my heart. You do it week after week, and I appreciate their, their, their efforts, so thank you. And it's not like for myself, I, don't have a, I have an app in which I, I listen to every day, and there's an Advent calendar devotional that I'm listening to. So it's, it's not that I'm not trying to do these things. But it's the rushing around of all the good things that that dislodge my heart. It's like a crowbar that takes away the meaning of the season for me. 
And ultimately, it distracts me from my fellowship with Jesus, which is the very reason why he came. And it's the very way we can waste Christmas. The meaning of the season is to remind and celebrate that God came to earth so that we might have fellowship with him. We can lose the awe and wonder of the birth of Jesus when we forget in that moment that God is the one who drew near to us. God wants us to know what he is like. And Jesus shows us this in his first coming. It says in Colossians chapter 1, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. He's there to show us what God is like. So he came to earth in the form of a child. A child not to be feared, but to have fellowship with. Through Jesus' life and through Jesus' teaching, we learn that God loves us. We learn that God is forgiving. We learn that he is near to us and that he cares for us. We learn that we are not to be terrorized by God, but we are to trust him. When was the last time you just sat before the Lord and just knew that he was God? Would I dare to, to challenge you, take an hour this coming week, one hour, to do that? You're going. <laughs> How about the next six days, ten minutes? Just ten minutes. What would you think about in those ten minutes to get your heart settled? Let me just give you some little memes to think about. Christmas is about Christ's mission. It's not about Santa. It's about a Savior. It's not about jingle bells. It's about Jesus. It's not about rushing around, but it's about a redeeming plan. It's not about the gifts, but it's about the good news. It's not about the elves, but it's about enjoying God. Brothers and sisters, don't waste this Christmas by being distracted by the material of the season. Slow things down in your life. Enjoy the fellowship with God that he came to establish with you. Now, that's probably the point of the warning. That's the warning word I want to give you this morning. Let me give you the encouraging word, second part. We waste this Christmas when we embrace the heartache of the season and I want to be very careful here because we know that all the songs say, have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the most wonderful time of the year, isn't it? And yet we say to one another too, Merry Christmas. We bless each other by, by actually saying, have a happy holiday. Merry Christmas. But we know that for some of us, many of us, this is the most stressful time of the year. And it can be hard. If we're not careful, we can embrace the heartache of the season to the detriment of our souls. It can be a season of fighting off depression and loneliness when you are sitting around all the loved ones in your living room and not feel love at all. Some Christmas season, there could be times where it stirs unresolved issues, disappointing relationship and expectations come up. For myself personally, this will be my second Christmas without my mom. And growing up, I learned over the years because it happened when I was very young. I began to learn why my mom got very quiet around this time of year because 
as I got older and as they explained to me as, as I got older, I realized it was the season in which she lost one of her children from her first marriage the day after Christmas. You know, painful memories can sometimes overwhelm our souls. It's high celebratory times like Thanksgiving and Christmas can really accentuate that pain. And that can be the case for you this year because it might be fresh. Or for some of you, for some of us, it may be 20 years going and it still hurts. I'm not here to tell you, just get over it, move on. No, but I will say that the message of Christmas reminds us of this. Psalm 34, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Isaiah 61.1, Jesus quoted this, to bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Don't waste this Christmas by embracing the dark season of the heartache. If you're down, if you're oppressed and crushed in spirit, and the tears are coming really easy this year, God says he is near, and he will save you. And he proved it when he first came, and he'll prove it again when he comes again. Christmas heartache can feel very dark. You know, it's a lot easier to walk through a dark tunnel or even through a dark house when you have just a little bit of light. Jesus is that light. There is a story, I'm not sure how true it is, but there's a story about the Lewis and Clark Caverns that are just north of the Yellowstone National Park. What they do is they take you on tour and they start going down the stairs into the cavern and they shut the lights off and it is pitch black. And the tour guide tells the story of the first explorer who was on top of the mountains, broke through, fell several hundred feet into the cavern. It's the first time they found it. And he was stuck there for a week in the dark, day after day, calling out, help me, help me, hoping that maybe someone would hear and figure it out. After a week, people did come, someone did come by and heard this cry, and they got him out. And they asked this guy, how did you hold out hope day after day in the total dark? And he said, there was one little pinhole ray of light that was coming through. And I just kept my focus on that ray of light. Don't waste this Christmas by embracing the heartache of the season. Embrace the light and the hope that it offers. It reminds us of. Jesus is that light. Jesus is our hope. He loves you and wants to comfort you. He's not done with any of us yet. He believes in you. He knows what you're going through, that he will sit in that dark cavern with you, and he will say, follow me. I will help you out of this. He will walk through the tunnel, and he will say, trust me. I will bind up your hurts, and I will heal you. Christmas reminds us that Jesus is the light of the world. We can waste our Christmas 
embracing the darkness of our souls and allowing our hearts to sink into the quicksand of despair. We are okay to not be okay. But don't allow your heart to cry without hope. Go ahead. Let the tears flow. Feel the hurt. But realize that you can cast your stress and feel Christ's rest. God's word says, Matthew 11, 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I, Jesus, will give you rest. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. In John 7, 37, Jesus stood up and cried, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. These are not platitudes. These are pinholes of light that you might need. It might just be one of these verses. It might be a different verse in the Word of God. It might be all of them. But in this dark period, realize that God hears you and He's reaching out to you and He loves you. Embrace the hope of Christmas and the season by singing within your heart Lord, the light of your love is shining. In the midst of the darkness, shining. Light of the world, shine upon us. Set us free with the truth you now bring us. Shine on me. Shine, Jesus, shine. Brothers and sisters, don't waste this Christmas week by embracing the heartache and being in despair. Turn it around. Find the hope who is your comfort, and he's your savior, and that is Jesus Christ. The third way we waste this Christmas, number three, we waste this Christmas when we forget its present reality. Many people say that the purpose of Christmas is fulfilled in the passion of Easter, and that is so true when you talk about the salvation aspect of all of this, the redeeming plan, and that's a whole message in itself, isn't it? But I would dare to add, for those of us who are saved and, and we're becoming more like Jesus, and we're just learning to, to grow up here as, as believers, we forget that looking at Christmas through today's lens, it's a past event to be celebrated, but it's a present reality that we're to live in. Just like the gospel that appeals to evangelize the unbeliever and edify the believer, the reality of Christmas is not just for those who need saving. By the way, is that you this morning? Are you in need to be saved and call out for God's mercy? I encourage you this morning to do so right here, right now, right where you're sitting. If you sense that God's calling you to believe and call out to God's mercy, what better day than the Christmas season for you to start a new life in Christ? The, the present reality of Christmas is not just for those who need saving, but it's also for us in this room who need sanctifying. And there are two aspects of Christmas that affect our reality today, and they are two promises that we get from Christmas. The first one is this. The promise of God with us is broader than the incarnation of the Son of God. You see, the promise of God with us is fulfilled both in this God, the Son becoming enfleshed, and God the Spirit living within us. 
In his coming, the Trinitarian God revealed in Scripture is not just God the Father inviting us to draw near, but it is also God the Son who by the incarnation is by our side and sympathizing in our weakness. It is God the Spirit who by indwelling lives within us and he is the hope or the helper and the strength and our comfort internally. Both these things I just talked about in the previous point for those who are struggling. But for those who are not, let me remind you of just a few truths. First of all, in Hebrews, we're reminded that since we have a great high priest, Jesus, who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 3.16 reminds us, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells within you? 1 Corinthians 6.19, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. And then 2 Timothy 1.14 reminds us that by the spirit, Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted in you. To know that Jesus walked where we walked knows that he, he is on our side. But to know that the Spirit lives with inside of us, we know that he is for us. This is the simple cause for rejoicing in the present reality of Christmas. The present reality of God with us, we can lift our heads and we can raise our hands and we can sing with our hearts to the fullest, glory to God in the highest. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Don't waste this Christmas by forgetting that God is with us always. Not just in a season, but at all times. The second aspect of Christmas that affects our reality is number two. The promise of the return of Christ can be trusted. We, we just sang about it just a few minutes ago, and I'm just going to add a few comments to it. Soon and very soon, our king is coming back. Matthew Payne says this about the comings. He says this, Jesus' first coming makes his second coming good news. We should not be fretting about Jesus coming back. This is good news that Jesus is coming back. At Christmas, we remember that he was a humble baby. But when he comes again, he is our victorious king. Because Christ came at Christmas to redeem sinners the first time, he will come again to reign with saints the second time. The return of Jesus inaugurates the beginning of the new heavens and the new earth. When he returns, he will do so in his physical body and as a conquering king. And at that, that very moment, every knee, even those who oppose him, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. This will be the moment when death itself will finally be defeated and we will receive our sinless glorified bodies. Satan and all who died apart from Christ will be banished to the punishment of an eternal fire. Because Jesus himself said that no one would know the day or the hour our call is to diligently pray for his return, to be waiting expectantly and to live each day as if today will be the day. Jesus also made it clear that as we wait, we should be serving one another as we would serve him, thus hastening the day of his return 
and the renewal of all creation. And because the curse remains, we are to live as exiles, anticipating and looking forward to a new kingdom, not placing our hope here and now. Look what Jesus says about his return in John 14. Verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled, period. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Hebrews 9.28, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Are you eagerly waiting for him? Are you looking forward to that day? Church, we are to rejoice when he comes. Don't waste this Christmas by forgetting the present reality of the hope we live in that God is with us and in us and that Christ is coming again just as he promised. There are six shopping days left till Christmas. That means there's still time to not waste this Christmas. Don't be careless with the next few days. Intentionally carve out what this may look like for you Take just a minute. Look at these notes. Look at these points. We waste this Christmas when we distract ourselves with the material of the season, when we embrace the heartache of the season, and when we forget our present reality. Which one of these points can you return to later on this week? If you're a note taker, maybe you want to circle one of them for yourself. And if you're not a note taker, maybe it's one that you just circle in your head. But put that on a, on a note somewhere at your house. Maybe where you sit. Maybe where you, where you work. Have that point before you. And ask God to meet you in that moment. Ask him to help you walk wisely in that moment. To be aware of his presence. To walk in the security of his love and the comfort of his hope in this season. Let's pray. Father, this coming week, may our hearts quiet down and hear your voice. May we grow spiritually closer to you in this season, no matter where we are and no matter what we're going through. Come soon, Lord, as we anticipate your victorious return. Lord, we ask this all in Jesus' name and all God's children said, amen.